a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori right over there at the Patriot Factory. It's Tuesday night, 13th of February. Welcome to it. Good evening, Diane. Good evening, Craig. And uh, just so you know, the uh, upcoming show is not posting. <laughs> we should tell people we're having a little trouble here, and we might know why. Well, you know, we uh, we we always try to connect about twenty minutes ahead of airtime, and that gives us a chance to talk about anything that may have come up late afternoon uh, that we might want to discuss on the show. Well, tonight. I kept trying to get a hold of Diane on Skype, and it wouldn't go through, and it wouldn't go through. Then it finally did, but when it did, I could hear her, but she could not hear me. Right. That's a problem. Yes. That's that's what we call in the radio business an issue. Yeah, a big issue. <laughs> so Diane had to reboot her computer. At least we, you know, we thought maybe that was the problem. Maybe. Turned out it wasn't the problem, and uh, you know we kept jiggling things around and trying things, and then all of a sudden, without doing anything, it came back to life. Yeah, and we kind of suspect. I mean, we have no proof of it, but uh, certain people aren't very happy with the topic that uh, we're going to be delving in depth into. Yeah, and. Somebody who we know is not very happy just happened to be in the country yesterday. Right. The day we published the article. Well, no, yesterday we published when he was here. That's what I said. He was here yesterday, the day we published the article. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we'll have more on that in a little bit. Uh, But we've got a couple of other things that we need to talk about before we get to all of that. Let's start tonight with the Senate passing that $95 billion foreign aid package. Yes. And it's a, um, to give billions, 95 point something billion dollars to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. And 22 Republicans voted yes along with the Democrats. And you know what? I'm glad they did. Now, I'm interested in this. You mentioned that to me earlier today, but we never really got into why. 
you're glad it happened. I'm not so sure I'm with you on this, but I want I want to hear your explanation as to why it's a good thing. Okay. I think aid to Ukraine needs to be tempered down quite a bit. We've given them billions and billions and billions of dollars. Uh, we are. I still think we need to help them. I still think we need to fund them to some degree, but maybe not to the degree we were funding. The I think the whole Ukraine issue can be solved if they would get the planes that Biden promised them a year ago that have yet to be delivered. Right. And that's a big issue. He made all these promises and didn't come through. Money only works so far, but if you don't have the equipment, the money does you no no good, actually. So I think we need to cut back a bit on Ukraine and and the original deliveries, get them delivered. I think we need to help Taiwan. They're a very strong trade partner with us. They are an ally with us. They could be obliviated. Remember, a million-man army is sitting off their shores. Do I think China would do anything horrendous to them? No. But I think they'll go in and kind of do to the entirety of Taiwan what they did to Hong Kong. Now, as far as Israel, I want to put this as delicately as I can. I think the reason certain senators, I mean, yes, I should say certain Republican senators and also certain Republicans in the House have problems funding Israel. I think we have some anti-Semitism involved here. You know, I wouldn't be surprised that that plays a part uh, in in all of this. Um, and so, okay, so I see where your where your stand is. You know, mm-hmm. on why it was good to pass this. The the problems that I have with it, I mean, it's kind of point counterpoint, I guess. But the uh, the problems that I have with it is that I don't believe there's any accountability built into this thing for all the billions. And I think it's almost $60 billion we're giving to Ukraine. Uh, pretty much it's another, you know, here's your money, have a nice day deal uh, for okay. Ukraine. They don't have to account uh, for what they're doing with the money, and I think that's a big problem. Um, I agree. I think... Uh, it's it's a little out of bounds that we're pouring all this money into Ukraine uh, to try and help protect their border when we're not doing anything to protect our own border. Okay. I understand where you're coming from with that. There's a great difference with Israel. Israel, actually, yes, we give them a certain amount of aid every year, as we do all our allies. But when Israel needs equipment from the U.S., they pay for it with their own monies. Israel is has never asked, per se, for outright billions of dollars. They pay for their stuff. Now, since October 7th, the situation is a little bit different, and we're giving them monetary aid now but what they really need is more than the monetary aid and this is what my sources in Israel tell me 
more than monetary aid, they need the United States to stand strong with them. Bibi Netanyahu knows what he's doing. If you don't stop Hamas now, they're going to continue on. They're going to regroup. They're not going to go away. Not only is Israel not safe, but holy rollers, you better listen to this. Christians aren't safe either. That's a fact. Okay, Hamas has to be stopped. When you stop Hamas, you're stopping Iran to some degree. Right, and you're you're putting the brakes on, you know, I mean, you may not stop Iran, but you're certainly put the brakes on them, and you're putting also the brakes on several other uh, not-so-ethical um, actors in the Middle East. Uh, there's a lot Hezbollah, of different terrorist yeah. organizations in the Middle East, mm-hmm. and it really puts the brake on them. I have no problem uh, with with the money that's going to Israel. Um, I, I literally have absolutely no problem with that whatsoever um Mm -hmm. the taiwan deal i'm not sure how money is going to help them right now i'm not either and and i question that as you do as well i think they need a certain amount of monies maybe to reinforce their military um but right now they are not being attacked so we're right. giving money to a country that right now is not under attack. Now, Israel I can is under attack. Ukraine right. is under attack. Now, I can understand helping them bolster their military from the standpoint that if we can help bolster their military, our military may not have to be stationed there. Correct. You Correct. Know, so One I, hand you know, washes the yeah. other in a case like this. I, I kind of get that. I kind of understand that. It's the whole Ukrainian thing. We kept giving them, or keep giving them, billions upon billions upon tens of billions, right. $100 billion. They have not accounted for one red cent of it. They just keep coming back and asking for more, and we well, keep giving them more. Let me Let me put it this way. Okay, we're giving them money but they're not getting the equipment that they need. Who are they buying the equipment from? Nobody wants to sell anything to them. Biden promised them equipment in the beginning, needed fighter jets that probably could have stopped this war months ago. They're still sitting in Poland, folks. Right. I mean, I've got a real problem with that. Yes. Okay. I mean, if if this was a matter of sending them Billions upon billions of dollars worth of equipment mm-hmm. that they could use to fight the Russians. I wouldn't have any problem with it. But this is just cash on the barrel head. Right. And that's wrong. You know, with no accountability. If they had accountability built into this, where, right. you know, Ukraine would have to account for every dollar we give them, I'd probably feel a little bit differently about it. But they don't. And. To me, that's that's a real problem. I understand the problem, you know, with Putin and NATO and, you know, Ukraine. And, and he probably, you know, if he ever really gets Ukraine, if this war comes to an end in Putin's favor, he won't stop there. No, he'll go into know? Poland. He'll go into the former satellites besides right. Poland. Um, know, I, I understand. Europe is not safe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I understand all of that. And and you know, it's better 
to have the fight going on over there than to be actually involved in it on the ground. But accountability is a big thing. You know, we can't yeah. just be giving money away uh, and not have any accountability for it. And and that's a problem. The other problem for me is our own border. We're more worried about Ukraine's border than we are about our border. Well, that's a whole other animal completely. And I'm dealing with that specific topic um, next week. Next right. Monday, I'll have an article about that. Uh, there are some solutions, and I'm going to lay out a couple of them in the article. There are ways besides a wall to stop them from coming across, and I'm going to lay out a few of them. Okay. Um, um, now, this this thing passed the Senate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it's over at the House side of things, and uh, Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, says it's dead on arrival. Yeah. Because we have some in the House that are overt anti-Semites and hate Israel with every fiber of their being. Do the names Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, and Presley ring a bell? Well, they have cohorts going along with them. Right, and some of those may actually be on our side of the aisle. You know, a few I mean, are. Sadly, a few are. That's yes. possible, but, um, you know, again, without the accountability to Ukraine and the House holding the purse strings, I think a lot of it on the House side is simply, you know, we're not going to, we're just not going to start giving money away anymore. We're, we got to put a stop to this. Um, well, what these people don't understand is the United States cannot be an isolationist. No, I don't care true. how much my own Repu- fellow Republicans feel about that, but we cannot be an isolationist. The world, as it is today, does not favor that, whether they want to hear it or not. You we know, but- are involved. How we're involved is a different story, but we need to be involved. Maybe instead of sending money, like to Ukraine, Give them the damn equipment already. Well, you know, and we tried a few weeks ago, we tried to uh, put forth uh, a clean bill, uh, you know, to help, uh, you know, supply some funds to Israel. That went nowhere. Right. And that I blame strictly, totally on anti-Semitism. Yeah. I mean, this, this whole thing is just kind of a murky mess right now. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. I, I, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Now, we're going to keep an eye on what happens over on, excuse me, on the House side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure we'll have more to say about it uh, Friday during our show. Well, um, what's very interesting, let me just say one thing about this. This bill did not have any monies for the border. It was strictly a foreign aid package. Uh, why can't we have a standalone border bill? Well, it would sure be why? nice. I mean, that's a rhetorical question. We know yeah. why. Yeah, I mean, it would sure be nice. Yes. But if you want to hold your breath waiting for that, uh, I'll, I'll send a rescue squad over in a couple of days. <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, it it just kind of is what it is. Another topic that we have to discuss tonight before we get to the main part of the show 
is the new inflation report that came out. It's not good for Biden. Oh, no, nothing is good for Biden of late, is it? Well, you know, uh, Biden, Biden keeps bragging about how he's bringing inflation down and everything's fine. Bidenomics is, is helping everybody out. Not so much, according to this inflation report. No, and that's because they misled everybody with the January job. I mean, the December jobs report, because those were part-time jobs for the holiday season. Common sense tells you that in January, the job numbers were going to drop. He would not allow for that. Right. So the numbers were all skewed. The numbers were not the rightful numbers. We're getting them now, and they're not pretty. No, and the inflation report shows inflation going up faster than people's wages. Yeah. So so that means that the American public is falling further behind. Absolutely. It's, and prices it, it, are still going up. Yeah, it literally flies in the face of what Obama's been telling everybody for the last couple of months. Obama? I mean, well, Obama's running the show. Are you having you can, a Joe Biden moment? <laughs> well, you know, I might be. But, you know, Obama is running the show. We all know that. That's true. Absolutely. No question about it. You know, but yeah, Biden's been telling everybody for months, yeah, Bidenomics is great. It's working fine. Everybody's feeling better. Uh, inflation's down. No. 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 I mean, it's the, it's just a mess. The big thing is new polls were taken over the past couple of days. People in this country, the majority, still do not want a Biden-Trump rematch. So you have to ask yourself, where does that lead us? leave us? Most of us, we know Donald Trump is better than Joe Biden. And we know what we have to do in November. However, and I keep saying this over and over, don't count on it. They have had, they being the Democrats, they have had eight long years to perfect voter irregularities. Use your air quotes. They have eight long years to perfect the steal. And people are just deluding themselves if they think Trump is just going to walk into the White House now. Don't be so sure. He might in the end, but it's not going to be by the landslide, people think. Yeah, I mean... You know, you, you got to differentiate between the primaries and the general election. In the primaries, it, it's all Trump, 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 Trump. Right. right. Um, you know, it's going to be a different story when we get to the general election. And I'm still not convinced at all that Biden is going to be the guy on the ticket. No, that's why Kamala Harris is there. We've said this for years, folks. Kamala Harris was the insurance that they don't 25th Biden out because even the Democrats don't want her. I think I think the, the big switcheroo is going to come at the convention in July in Chicago. Okay. Oh, you might be right. You know, I, I just I just have this feeling that you know, they're going to put Biden on cruise control, keep him hidden, keep him out of the public eye as much as possible. 
and then in Chicago this July at the Democrat National Convention, I think the superdelegates are going to say, we can't do this, and they're going to go with somebody else. They're going to insert somebody at that point. I don't think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. I, do. I really don't. I think they have someone in the wings that none of us have zeroed in on yet. And I'm not talking about the move, folks. But I think they have someone in the wings that they're going to spring on us that none of us have really suspected. I think that's a, a distinct possibility. I, I can't discount that. You know, Hillary, they may be, perhaps? Uh, wouldn't be her. Um, no, they're, they're, using Gavin, they're using Gavin Newsom, maybe, uh, you know, just to divert attention. Right. And there are still rumages that Joe Manchin might enter the race. Yeah, but if he as does, it's going to be... As a third party. Right. He'll, he'll be on that, what is it, no labels party, probably. Yeah. If, if he gets in. Yeah, and he would pull votes away from Biden, but would they be enough? You know, it, that's a that's a really good question. Um, you know, Biden's got an uphill fight. I don't care how you look at it; he really does. I mean, you take the you take the steel out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Biden's approval ratings are at thirty percent. Kamala's are at twenty eight percent. Right. You know. You can't win in a fair and honest election. You cannot win re-election when your approval ratings stink out loud. Well, you're dealing with fair elections. That's what I said. Nobody in their right mind should think that uh, November is going to be a fair election. Well, and that's one way we're going to know, because if the approval ratings stay where they are, and I think they will, Mm -hmm. you add to that. 76% 76% of the American public, and that crosses the uh, the aisle, okay? Right. 76% of the uh, public says Biden's too old and decrepit to be the candidate. Yeah. They're also saying Trump is too old now, too. There's only three years difference between the two men. Right. But so far, Trump hasn't been talking to dead people. No. Or calling the president of Egypt the president of Mexico. Yeah, I mean, you know, so there are some differences, right? Yeah, there are big differences. You know, so it's it's one of these things that I think between now and July, we're going to find out a lot more than we know today. But yes. if they keep Joe at the top of the ticket, that means they got to keep, keep Kamala at the top of the ticket. And and the left doesn't even want Kamala to be ever be the president. They know she's a disaster. Right. And you the know, independents so. are not happy with her. And well, and if it was a fair election, neither Biden nor Trump would can win without the independents. Both of them need the independents in a fair election. Right. You know, so if I mean uh, a month or so ago, I called it a cluster. You know what? Mm-hmm. It gets to be more of a cluster. You know what? By the day, yeah, it does. Where what we really need is two totally new tickets, in my yeah. opinion, and the vast majority of America agree. Yeah, we need. We're not going to get them. We're not going to get them, and that's the problem. 
You know, it's so. it's going to be a lot to keep track of over the next yes, few months, and it's going to get more interesting, I think, uh, the closer we get to both conventions and, mm-hmm. you know, all all the stuff that's Well, also, it. can we touch upon, just for a second, the little monkey business that's going on now on our side, on the Republican side? Sure, go ahead. Uh, with um, the head of the, the GOP head stepping down, uh, Ron, right. whatever, McDaniels. Rona McDaniels. Um, yeah. Trump wants to put his daughter-in-law in as the vice chairman. And I happen to like her. I've watched her on Fox, and she's a very good commentator. But to put your own family member, I have some not... That's that's not a... Um, an, a nice thing to do, to put it mildly, because that reeks of improprieties. Yeah, but it's not him that gets to choose. No, know. but he's talking like right. the choice is already made. Laura, Laura yeah. uh, Trump, she's very good. Um, but you, you, you got to know when to keep your mouth shut. Let the let them do what they have to do. Let it play out. Exactly. You know, let it play out. Uh, if if she's interested in it and, you know, the, the Republican Party uh, is interested in her, it may it may happen that way. But, you yeah, know. Yeah, but it doesn't look it doesn't look at in a contested year like this is to have your daughter-in-law up there in the hierarchy. That does not look good. No. I mean, it, it certainly doesn't. And, you know, we, we don't know. I mean. Trump says a lot of things, okay, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of it is is just him talking. Um, would he like to see Laura Trump in there? I'm sure he would. Mm-hmm. You know, e- even as the vice chair, but um, you know the situation will play itself out, and we'll and we'll see who winds up, um, you know, leading the Republican Party. But you know, with with Ronna McDaniel stepping down. Um, you know, that, that just adds to the cluster, you know, what was she stepping down voluntarily or was she kind of edged out? I think she was edged out. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. I mean, and that's and what I don't, like. so. I, I don't think she was doing that great a job. No, she wasn't. But this, this is an area when you're running for president you should let it play out on its own accord. Right. I mean, Trump's got enough irons in the fire right now. That's true. He doesn't you need know. another one. Right. Right. So, you know, but narcissist that he is. True. He's, he's going to insert himself in everything possible. So it, might, it could backfire if he doesn't watch out a bit. It could. Well, well, another thing we have to keep an eye on. All right, we're almost exactly. out of time in this segment. So what we've got coming up is the the article that Diane and I recently co-wrote, okay, Drones, Retaliation, and a Globalist King. We're going to break it into two segments on the show, but there's a lot that's going on regarding the Middle East, regarding the Israel-Gaza war, regarding the players 
that uh, that are are really pushing that thing, and regarding the drone attack recently on Americans in Jordan that that wound up costing the life of three American soldiers there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that the mainstream media has been telling the public that simply are not true. Right, including where the drone strike initiated from. So we're going to tell you that. With proof. You, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this, this, you know, I mean, is there some educated uh, speculation in this? Yes. But oh, we absolutely. know, we know for a fact where that drone came from, yes. where it went. Uh, there, you're going to, folks, if you haven't read this article yet, you're in for quite a show. So, you know, we're going to ask that you hang on. Let us get through this bottom of the hour break. And then when we come back, we're going to start talking about drones, retaliation, and a globalist king. Stay with us. There's more to come on Right Side Patriots after that. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor, getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show. And if you miss any part of it, you'll want to go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and give it a good long listen. All right, Diane, so you and I co-wrote Drones, Retaliation, and a Globalist King. Just before the break, we kind of covered what we're talking about here. And folks, I got to tell you, there is a lot, I mean a lot, of important information in this. So, Diane? Take it away. 
Okay, let's start by saying on October 6, 2023, there was some semblance of peace in the Middle East. On October 7, 2023, the world bore witness to what could be the prelude to World War III. And the still ongoing Ukraine-Russian war will pale in comparison to the dangers we now face if we don't stop listening to and believing all the falsehoods, lies, and innuendos our government and the media spews out in hopes of directing the public discourse. Israel was savagely attacked on that bright sunny day in October, not unlike the sunny day that was our own 9-11. And we know said attack morphed not into uniting the world against those who do not belong among civilized men, but actually has due to media manipulation and government anything but misspeaks, helped to stir up the old hatreds that remain the hallmark of anti-Semitism, both here at home and abroad. We also know whose truths and allegiances are veiled and whose are not. Joe Biden is playing both sides against each other by first saying he supports Israel's war effort in Gaza, while at the same time putting pressure on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to scale back this rightfully fought war. And yet Biden has now initiated his own seemingly out-of-proportion retaliatory response to the recent drone strike on a U.S. military base inside Jordan. And with this being but an attempt to bolster his flailing presidential campaign, Joe Biden might well have set the stage for not only a wider Middle East war, but put the U.S. dead center in the middle of it. And in this case of Israel's continuing strikes on Gaza, Biden is playing a most dangerous game, not just by threatening Netanyahu to scale back his ongoing attacks or see a slowing down or actual halt to U.S. arms shipments to Israel, but by his steering clear of trying to bring Jordan into the mix. And no, Jordan is a bigger player than most think, as Biden and others try to ignore the truth that the first fatal attack on U.S. troops in the region since the start of the Israeli-Hamas war actually did come from inside Jordan. So why all the lies? To answer that, one must understand the basics in regards to the January 28th drone attack on the U.S. military installation known as Tower 22, an installation in northern Jordan, very near the Jordan-Syria border's demilitarized zone. This installation was originally purposed to aid in the coalition in supporting the supposed lasting defeat of ISIS, the terrorist group that was claimed to have been totally destroyed. And this lone drone attack saw three American military personnel killed, with over 40 others wounded, with our media claiming this was but an unfortunate mix-up regarding those whose drone, who it was, and whose was incoming or not. And Craig, they completely ignored the fact that Tower 22 is but six miles away from Jordan's border with Iraq. You know, it's interesting that Iraq falls into this. You know, obvious Mm -hmm. is the geographic placement of Tower 22 in that base. Mm -hmm. But what is Iraq's actual involvement in this? Is it high involvement? Is it low involvement? What is it exactly? 
Okay. Well, Iraq might seem on the surface to have little bearing on this instant um, incident at first, but know that the Iraqi Islamic resistance, known as the IIR, a.k.a. the Islamic resistance in Iraq, it's a Sunni group formally and probably currently tied to the still-in-existence Muslim Brotherhood, and they immediately took credit for the attack. And they have several bases of operation set up inside Jordan with the king's permission. Are you awake yet, folks? It gets even better. And while Iran is partially to blame for said attack, as the drone used was Iranian, Iran's state news agency, IRNA, issued a statement that, quote, Iran had no connection and had nothing to do with the attack on the U.S. base, end quote. And with Joe Biden trying to shadow blame the victims for the so-called mix-up, the globalist media, to whom facts and truth are unrecognizable words, they ran with this story as the 24-7 news cycle did again put ratings before justice, leaving one to wonder if justice for the three Americans killed, along with the 40 wounded, will ever be rightfully served. Now, after having stepped back to watch the big picture unfold, we, as Right Side Patriots, meaning Craig and myself, we are, are going to present our opinion as to what we believe to be the truth regarding the drone attack itself, the excuses made, and the lies told that led up to Biden's retaliatory response that might well put us in danger. And Craig, you know as well as I do, it's truth. Both the White House and Jordan's king dare not admit for the very reason they fear most, as in having exposed for public consumption the now questionable allegiances currently in place that could change the entire dynamics of the Middle East itself. You know, Mark Twain once said, uh, a lie will make it halfway around the world before the truth ever gets its shoes put on. Mm-hmm. And when you throw a pebble into a pool of water, the rings just expand outward. And I think you can take both of those uh, analogies and apply them to this very situation, right? Absolutely. And it starts with secrets kept regarding the actual drone attack, and it spreads outward from there. Now, We know our U.S. intelligence agencies have had their hands tied more times than not due to politics and agendas dictating what truths we the public can and cannot be privy to. But no, there are other intelligence agencies, some operating in the open, some secretive in nature, who not only want but demand that the truth be told. Such is the case with JFAJ, that's J-A-F-A-J. It's a highly regarded intelligence solutions firm operating primarily, but not exclusively in the Middle East, who learned from Western military sources based in Jordan that the U.S. Central Command had confirmed, contrary to the media and White House claim, that the drone strike on Tower 22, not far from the al Tanif Garrison was not launched from Syria, but from inside Jordan itself, 
more specifically from an area near Jarash City in northern Jordan, a city roughly 30 or so miles north of Jordan's capital, Amman. And Amman is where Jordan's King Abdullah II, the kinglet as he is mockingly known to many, not only tried to hide this very fact, but it's where Syria first claimed that the attack emanated from courtesy of government spokesman Muhammad Mubayadeen, a puppet of the king who stated that, quote, the attack took place at an American base inside Syria, end quote, an accusation now proven to be totally false. And while Biden eventually backtracked on the Syria claim, it was not before our military was forced to push the false narrative that the tower personnel believed that the incoming drone was one of our military's own and not an enemy attack that could be linked directly to Iran or to Iran-backed militants operating from inside Jordan. Yes, Craig, we know it's Jordan, the country whose king is anything but a partner in peace. Yeah, the anything but partner in peace kinglet happened to be in the U.S. yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, spewing nonsense, spewing lies. Uh, and, and the mainstream media was eating it up like they always do. But that raises a question. Why did the kinglet make these claims about the drone strike? I mean, it, it just seems like that was too easy to disprove. Right. Well, we're going to prove it, folks. Then the question, like Craig said, why did Abdullah himself claim that the drone strike came from Syria? Because to do otherwise would likely expose his long-held secret that he, as king, has allowed and continues to allow, albeit under the radar, a number of Iranian-backed terrorist operatives to have some bases inside Jordan. And this includes Iranian agents holding Iraqi passports and Iranian-backed Houthis agents under the guise of their being fellow Hashemites, directly or indirectly related to Jordan's Hashemite king. In other words, in Jordan, under Abdullah, blood ties still override both common sense and the safety of not only the Jordanian people, but the safety and stability of the Middle East itself. And that's in addition to an antiquated, albeit silent, caste system of sorts, still being sanctioned by the supposedly more modernized king himself. Abdullah, as Jordan's leader, is surely playing both sides of a very dangerous game. For while his public persona is perceived as being a great asset in helping to support U.S. regional interests, opposing Islamic terrorism, and trying to bring a workable peace to the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, the real truth is that due to the king's misguided leadership, Jordan is now experiencing serious issues of its own relating to economic instability coupled with major internal strife as in an ever-growing number of Jordanians including Jordanian youth are taking to the streets to show their unhappiness with the man who now acts more like a dictator than a king. 
And while little to none of this is being reported here in the U.S., the instability inside Jordan does affect both U.S. and Israeli interests, especially with the king not supporting his fellow Arab nations that are forging new ties with the Jewish state. And with Abdullah being a key defender of Palestinian rights, even more so than Israel's right to exist, he has also supported the formation of a Middle East military alliance, not unlike NATO, which surely would not serve Israel, the U.S., our allies, or the Jordanian people well. So putting aside appearances and the king's lying words about wanting to bring democracy to Jordan, what now remains is a man who was actually a globalist, a man not only part of the world's moneyed elite, but one in a group of world leaders who have offshore accounts by which they amass numerous overseas properties, in a doulas case, even here in Washington, D.C., as they hide their wealth and investments from their respective governments and people. Also in Abdullah's case, not only is he slapping Jordanians in the face, Jordanians suffering economically with jobs seemingly few and far between, but he has made a mockery of his self-appointed prime minister who publicly announced back in 2020 a crackdown on corruption that including targeting citizens, of which Abdullah is obviously one, who uses shell companies, as he did, to disguise other overseas investment. So crackdown What's good for the goose is obviously not good for the gander when it comes to Jordan's king. You know, it always seems to me that the cockier somebody is, especially in a position of power, as the kinglet is in power, the cockier Mm -hmm. they are, the more they're trying to hide. And there's only one reason to hide so much. It's because of fear. What is it that this little kinglet is so afraid of? Well, like with all the elites, what Abdullah fears most is truth coming back full circle. For with the exposing of truth, instability and strife tends to not only increase, but at times helps to bring down those who once thought themselves invincible. The king, along with complicit government officials, must not allow that circle to close as he continues hiding the truth that not only did the drone attack on Tower 22 come from inside Jordan, but that the war between Israel and Hamas might not only escalate, but manifest itself inside Jordan as well. And Netanyahu does not take kindly to those playing both sides, which equates to stabbing Israel in the back. And that's what Abdullah and his Israel-hating, Kuwaiti-born Palestinian wife, Reina do, and would gladly continue to do if they could mask their roles in doing so. Remember, Hamas's October 7th attack on Israel remains ground zero for all that has followed. And with Iran's proxies now being the recipients of U.S. retaliation, while at the same time Jordan's king refuses to take in any Palestinians displaced by the war, Abdullah is now showing the world a side of himself he has long tried to keep hidden. 
And so the man who believed that with war would come his long-awaited opportunity to expand both his and Jordan's regional power seems to have forgotten that the horrors of war does tend to breed ships in long-held allegiances. Trying to stab of Israel in the back is one thing. That's what all good little Islamists do. But knowing that a terrorist group did attack a U.S. base from inside Jordan and then lying about it is quite another thing. A sad commentary courtesy of the man many foolishly believe is an ally in peace as well as an adjunct in helping to expand, for better or worse, U.S. influence in the region. Simply, King Abdullah is all about himself and his quest for money and power. The three questions still remain. First of which is, was the Tower 22 attack but a baiting game by either Iran or the still below the radar, we believe, regional player, the Muslim Brotherhood, now rebranded in Jordan under the guise of the Islamic Action Front, a quite active and highly influential Jordanian political group. Second, was this attack actually initiated to see just how far America's weak commander-in-chief would go to try but fail to stop the escalating attacks against American military bases throughout the Middle East? And lastly, Craig, was this a ploy to incite Americans fed up of war into demanding that we leave the Middle East to its own devices? Only time itself will tell. You know, those are three really, I think, valid questions. And the second question... Was this attack actually initiated to see just how far America's weak commander-in-chief would go to try Mm -hmm. but fail to stop the escalating attacks against American military bases throughout the Middle East? I think that may be the key of the three questions. It could very well be. Along with, throughout, we allude to the Muslim Brotherhood. People think the Muslim Brotherhood has basically been rendered, or should say, politically, terrorist-wise, neutered. It has not. It tries to pretend that it's putting terrorism, you know, behind them. No, they are not. And I think when you throw the Muslim Brotherhood into the mix, with a very weak president that we have, and then you're doing retaliatory strikes that are totally out of hand because they're targeting the wrong players. I think we're in a very dangerous place. Well, I guarantee you we're, we're in a very dangerous place. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the whole first half uh, of this article really should open up a lot of eyes. I mean, people, (laughs) people, you get bombarded all the time with how the the king of Jordan is an ally. He's an ally, he's an ally, he's an ally. He's not. He's not. You know, and the fact that he was in Washington, D.C. yesterday at the White House, you know, I guarantee you he just grins like a possum every time he shows up there because he's like, you know, they they think I'm an ally. You know, these people in the United States think I'm an ally. And, of course, he's standing there with Joe Biden, who he knows has pudding for brains, so he can say and do whatever he wants. 
And it, it comes within days after Biden threatened Netanyahu via a phone call. It, it's too many coincidences. And this man, the fortune this man has, he has somewhere between 15 and 20 homes all over the world in the most expensive places. His people can't even find work. The youth in Jordan can't find work. Many are taking to the streets like the Iranian uh, youth did. Did we help right. them? No. No. Nope. We're prevented from doing anything in Jordan because we don't even know about it. But it's a very, very strange situation. And by the way, folks, the uh, JFOG intelligence services that I mentioned, it's real. Click on the link. The first uh, name of them, that's an active link that I've linked to their site that will tell you all about them. Now, you can't enter certain things without a code, but... You will see their overview. They are a legitimate, well-respected for many years intelligence gathering agency. Yeah, they they are sharp. Yes, you know they they understand the score and they know what's going on. You know, you and I both and have, their contacts. They have tremendous contacts. Yeah, and you and I both have contacts, um, right. not only in the region, but that deal with things that are happening within the region. And all of our contacts are telling us that, you know, we're not getting the true information about any of this from our own media. Correct. You know, and and that's because the O the O Biden white house, right. You know, keeps the lid on this folks, the O Biden, you can't forget it that he's a player in this as well. You know, you and I have done articles in the past and we've done shows in the past where we have brought some of this stuff up. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, the, the idea that the King is, uh, is not a true ally and that he's hiding a lot of stuff is not foreign to us. This, this hasn't come as a recent revelation to Diane or myself. No, we've written many articles about you've got to watch out for him. He's not what he seems. And people sort of poo-pooed it. But now people are starting to open their eyes a bit. The situation over there in that region heats up. And more and more things start happening. Uh, It's important that you understand who the real players are. And why, you know, it's one thing to just kind of insert yourself into the middle of a hot situation, but it's a whole nother level when you insert yourself into those things for nefarious purposes. And that's what we're seeing going on right now. Yeah. And it's also dangerous, you know, Abdullah, he doesn't look like we would think somebody from the middle East look, you know, he's very westernized in his appearances, in his dress, in his manner of speaking. But it's an act, folks. Uh, it's all cover. Yeah. You know, when you when you pull when you pull back the curtain uh, from the Wislet of 
Jordanian Oz, <laughs> you you get a whole different you get a whole different look at what's really going on. Yes, remember also Palestine. Jordan is Palestine. Palestine is Jordan, as as they say. All Palestinians are Jordanian in their lineage, their descent. Even King Hussein Abdullah's father said the Jordanians have a homeland. I mean, the Palestinians have a homeland. It's called Jordan. Right. People forget that the king does not want them back. Their own people don't want them. There's reasons for that. Well, we, we've talked a lot about the king. We've talked a lot about <laughs> Jordan and their reason for being in this and, and some of the things that they're hiding and why they're hiding them. Coming up after the top of the hour break, we're going to talk about that drone strike at Tower 22. Because right. just like there's a lot of lies being told about Jordan and the King of Jordan. There are also a lot of lies that have been told and are continuing to be told about what happened with that drone strike. Yes. You know, these are things that, that we have vowed to expose in this article. So we're going to take the top of the hour break. I know we're a couple of minutes early, but that's okay. We're going to get this in, and then we're going to come back with part two of Drones, Retaliation, and a Globalist King. Stay with us. There's more to come on Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. 
It's Tuesday night, and if you miss any part of this, you've missed a lot. You'll want to go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click that podcast button, and listen in to the entire show. All right, we just got some breaking news. We're going to hold on to that. We're going to bring it to you uh, when we get done covering this article, Drones, Retaliation, and a Globalist King. So let's move on. We we left off where we're getting ready to talk about the drone attack at Tower 22. Obviously, we're being intentionally misled and perhaps lied to would be a more accurate statement where this drone strike against U.S. troops is concerned. From who was responsible to where the drone was launched from and even initially where the strike occurred. None of what we were told early on, has been true. While drone warfare now seems to be rather common, with everybody engaged using drones for everything from recon to targeted strikes, there is no shortage of drones in the air throughout the conflicted region, which leads us to some other rather troubling lies we've been told. For instance, what we've been told regarding how the drone in question reached its target at Tower 22. The official word from Pentagon officials has been that the one-way drone was mistaken for one of our drones that was scheduled to return to the Tower 22 base at about the same time as the attack took place. We're sorry, mistaken for one of our own? Really? That's what the Pentagon told the media, and that's what the media told us. They seem to not have a single question regarding that particular line of obvious bull. It doesn't really matter who was flying our drones or from what location, as drone warfare can be remotely controlled from the other side of the planet. But what does matter, and it matters a lot, is how we seemingly can't distinguish our drones from enemy drones. That just defies both common sense and logic. Are we to believe that our drones are not equipped with some sort of encrypted transponders? Clearly, we don't want the enemy to hone in on the positions of our drones regardless of what we're using them for, be it recon or strike force. But with all the technology available to us, our drones are just flying around who knows where? Let us put this another way. Somebody attached to our military is supposedly controlling our drones and pointing their cameras and or weapons at certain targets at all times. Whoever that is for any given drone would absolutely be in contact with all of our bases in the region. And those in charge of said bases would have to know where our drones are at any given moment, especially when one of them is scheduled to return to a given base at a specific time. Diane ground crews would have to be ready to receive the drone and air traffic control for the base would have to clear airspace so that such a returning drone would not interfere with any of the other air traffic as it came in and landed at the base. Well, isn't that where transponders come in, especially a certain type of transponder? I mean, it's just common sense. 
it would seem to be. I mean, like you said, that would be where an encrypted transponder would come into play. The coordination between drone control and air traffic control has to be in sync or a disaster could occur. But we're being told that those at Tower 22 mistook an enemy drone for one of ours that was scheduled to return at the base at the same time? That's utter nonsense. That would mean that they saw the drone coming on radar, simply checked the clock, and guessed that the incoming drone was ours. It just doesn't work that way because encrypted transponders use GPS positioning. It's very specific. It's very accurate. It's not a general positioning situation. It's pinpoint accurate. And there should be no way to mistake our drone for an enemy drone. That sort of thing hasn't happened since the very early days of radar when the U.S. military mistook a squadron of Japanese Zeros for a group of our own planes that was supposed to be arriving at Pearl Harbor. For contrast, remember that on 9-11-2001, more than 5,000 planes were in U.S. airspace and all 5,000 were grounded within two hours because we knew where each and every plane was located thanks to their transponders. Yes, we understand that in rare cases, such technology can fail. But if such a transponder failed in flight, Tower 22 and those controlling our drone should have been well aware of the failure and been on alert. But we're being told by the Pentagon that we simply mistook the enemy drone for one that we expected at about that time? We're not buying it because... That would be a case of complete incompetence at every level of drone operations, and we have more faith in the rank and file to believe that things in a hot war zone were that lackadaisical. If the drone that carried out the attack at Tower 22 was a stealth drone, why haven't we been told that? Now, it would be as simple as saying that due to stealth technology, we never saw it coming. But that's not what we were told is it? We've been told that we mistook one of our nation's drones, which leads us to believe that we did see it coming and simply ignored it. Could there be other possibilities? Of course. And none of them are good. For instance, could our drone operations be compromised? Could the Muslim Brotherhood have access to our encrypted transponder codes? Could someone or some people at Tower 22 be complicit in the attack? As we said, Diane, none of these are good scenarios, and perhaps maybe the most troubling would be a scenario by which our own intel agencies working on behalf of globalist agendas could have skewed transponder data in real time so as to provoke stronger responses in an effort to draw the U.S. deeper into the conflict. And I think that was a big part of it because Joe Biden's response really was all over the map. It's almost like they were forced to to focus in on anyone that has done anything while ignoring who the real key players were in this specific attack. I, I agree. Look, knowing what we know regarding to the true players and the heightened tensions throughout the region, we simply can't rule anything out at this point, and that brings us to the response to the drone attack at Tower 22. 
As we stated earlier, Iran is a player in the current Middle East conflict, but they are, at this point, a minor player. That's not what we're being told by the Pentagon or the media, but it is nonetheless true. Yes, they supplied the drone involved in the Tower 22 attack, not to one of their proxies, but we believe to Iraqi Islamic Resistance, IIR, a.k.a. the Islamic Resistance in Iraq, an entity with past affiliations to the Muslim Brotherhood, and our sources tell us that the Muslim Brotherhood is now a proxy controlled by the King of Jordan. So far, our responses to the attack have been limited to Iraq and Syria, to Iran's proxies rather than at the Jordanian king's proxies within Jordan. The question is why? To provide the most plausible explanation, we have to turn the clock back to Obama's final year in his second term. In 2016, leading up to the official end of his presidency, Obama unleashed more than 26,000 bombs and missiles at targets in the region. And of those, 24,287 were directed into Iraq and Syria. To be clear, Obama also directed attacks in Yemen, Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and other places, but nearly all of those targets had one particular thing in common. Nearly none of them were directed at the Muslim Brotherhood, and almost all of them were designed to create vacuums of power throughout the region. Remember, it was the Muslim Brotherhood that filled the vacuum of power after Mubarak was forced out of Egypt. And it was the Muslim Brotherhood that filled the vacuum of power after Obama helped engineer the downfall and murder of Gaddafi in Libya. And who did our government, our Department of State run by Hillary Clinton and at Obama's direction hire as security in Baghdad right before the attack on our embassy? Well, that's correct. The February 17 Brigade, which was, in fact, the Muslim Brotherhood. Right Side Patriots has good reason to suspect and to believe that the retaliation strikes currently being carried out in response to the drone attack against our military personnel at Tower 22 are not being directed by Joe Biden against Iranian targets in Iraq and Syria as a way to punish Iran's proxies, but is being directed by Barack Obama as a way to protect the true biggest terrorist player in the region, the still active Muslim Brotherhood. Furthermore, Diane, Right Side Patriots has good reason to suspect and to believe that the ultimate goal at Obama's direction is to solidify the still active Muslim Brotherhood and the King of Jordan as the most powerful entities in the region as a way to potentially bring down Israel. Yeah, what people forget is Hamas, who is at the bottom, center of all the current things that have happened since October. They literally are the Palestinian arm of the Muslim Brotherhood. And that should have told people something, you know, right from the beginning. Hamas never hit that fact. They have always been open about being backed and supported by not only Iran, but by the Muslim Brotherhood as well. And and 
our media seems to just have ignored that. They, they just accept it and say there's nothing to see here. Remember, Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood, and the Muslim Brotherhood is Hamas. Therefore, it seems the Muslim Brotherhood orchestrated the deadly terrorist attack against Israel on October 7th last year. And by redirecting our military against Iran's proxies rather than against Jordan's proxies, Obama, the puppet master, is, with malice, trying to engineer a broader war in the Middle East and drag the U.S. into a hot war with Iran. Why? Because if the U.S. and Iran are engaged against each other, and we're directing our military might against lesser Iranian proxy targets, the Muslim Brotherhood grows stronger, Israel suffers, and the entire Middle East destabilizes into chaos. We believe a big part of the plan is to create more vacuums of power in the region, just as Obama did while he was officially in office, for the purpose of having such power vacuums filled again by the Muslim Brotherhood. Make no mistake, Iran is a dangerous entity in the Middle East, and throughout the world for that matter, but with regard to the current situation in the region, they are a bit player being portrayed as the boogeyman for all that is happening. We are being misled, and our attention is being deflected to shield the real purveyors and instigators of the war in Gaza, the Muslim Brotherhood, and the King of Jordan. Certainly, there are no shortages of proxies involved. Iran's proxies include Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, Hezbollah, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and the Houthi movement, among others. Jordan and the King of Jordan also have their proxies, including Islamic resistance in Iraq, Jihad al-Islamia in Egypt, Hamas in Palestine, and Mujahideen groups in Afghanistan, all factions of the Muslim Brotherhood. Afghanistan has the Taliban and ISIS as proxies, and Joe Biden is Barack Obama's proxy. By no means are the conflicts confined to the Middle East region, as globalism is no friend of Israel, and our military, our industrial military complex, our State Department, our intel agencies, and sadly, our military leadership are just crawling with globalists in a stabilized Middle East works against the globalist agenda. A strong Israel, the wholesale change of power in Jordan, and a strong U.S. are the keys to stabilization in the region, and we believe that with those things in place, Arab nations will unify to keep Iran in check. But the real key to bringing calm to chaos and setting globalism on its heels is providing accurate information to the American people which is something the globalist elite do not want. Right Side Patriots stands by this report and will continue to expose the truth in the effort to properly inform both those at home and around the world. I mean, Diane, this, this is really a fascinating situation when you get right down to it. But the lies that are being told to us by the media and by the Pentagon uh, yeah. and by, you know, some globalist elites within our military and the White are just House. staggering. Don't and the White, the White House. House. Absolutely the White House is involved. You know, yeah. I mean, 
uh, and and you know when you boil it right down, you've got all the lies that are being told about the king of Jordan and about Jordan and their position and all of this. You've got all the lies that are being told about the drone strike against Tower 22, who did right. it, where it came from, who's behind it. And when you start to pull back the curtain, as I said earlier, you start to expose the truth. And what we're seeing with these retaliatory strikes against targets in Syria and Iraq is exactly the same type of thing that Obama did when he was in office. Absolutely, positively. And the key giveaway here, if you don't remember all the different attacks, most people remember Benghazi. That group that was guarding um, our base, use your air quotes with that word, um, they were a subgroup from the Muslim Brotherhood. What's important to remember is the Muslim Brotherhood, no matter what the media tells you, they have not gone away. They've laid a little below the radar over the past couple of years, trying to present themselves. Oh, we've changed. We're working for good. No, they're not. They're still Islamists. The the King of Jordan said he disbanded them, and they're gone, and, and there's nothing more to worry about. But he never disbanded them. He simply absorbed them and rebranded them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, The Muslim Brotherhood has been around for a long time, since I believe the 1930s. They are very powerful. They have a lot of money, no matter what you hear. And they also, unfortunately, as per our sources, they have help here in this country. They do. And that's, you know, that's why you know, we said in this article, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities and none of them are good. And one of them is that our own intel agencies might be helping these groups. Right. You know, now, we're I not mean, saying all of them by any means. No, but there are bad apples in every intelligence organization. Well, and unfortunately, we know well our- about ours. Yeah, unfortunately, with our intelligence agencies, the higher up the ladder you go, the more corrupt it gets. Right. It's not the rank and file by any means. I mean, that's something that, you know, people need to keep in mind. Listen, folks, there's a couple of different ways you can get a hold of this article. And we hope you do. You can go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com. You could go to my blog, thenationalpatriot.com. Or why not just make it easy? Go to rspradio1.com, pick up the link. I think it's your link that's there, Diane. Is that right? Uh, no, no, it's both our links. Okay. Go I there put and, both and, of them there. I would never do that. I put well, both I, of them there. Yeah, It doesn't matter to me. You know that. But, you know, well, they're go both to, there. Okay, they're go both to R- links are there. Okay, go to rspradio1.com. Grab whichever link you like. It doesn't matter to either one of us. Just grab one of the links, read through this. It takes a little time to read through it because there's so much information packed into this article. But then share the link everywhere you can. It's under the title, Drones, Retaliation, and a Globalist King. We appreciate 
everybody who has already shared this and everybody who will. But, Diane, right before we went into this, we said we had some breaking news. The breaking news is coming out of Washington, D.C., specifically from the House side of Capitol Hill. Yes. Apparently, the House has voted to impeach uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas over his handling of the border crisis. Now, this is interesting because... They were all set to uh, to do this uh, last week. And then at the last minute, uh, one particular, I can't remember his name, one particular uh, Republican congressman changed his vote to no. And the reason right. he did that was to preserve the, uh, the idea of bringing this back to the floor for a second vote. Now, the reason he wanted to do a second vote was because we knew we had the votes, but only if Steve Scalise was on the floor. Steve Scalise was not on the floor uh, last week when this came up because he was being treated for cancer. Right. Today, apparently, he's back on the floor. Right. You know, everybody at first was criticizing that Republican for flipping his vote, but there was a reason for it. The reason was what uh, Craig just said. Now, uh, Mayorkas is actually the first cabinet um, appointed, you know, whatever, however you want to give his title, um, since 1876. We've never seen this happen before. Right. An impeachment of a cabinet appointee. Of a cabinet Uh, appointee. So now this goes to the Senate. And so the obvious question becomes, what happens in the Senate? If it splits along party lines, Kamala Harris will break the decision, and that's it. It, fl- it fails. Well, it's, it can't be uh, ma- uh, you know, majority plus one vote. It has to be right. It has, has to be two-thirds. Two-thirds, yeah. Now, my guess is that Nearly all of the left side of the aisle in the Senate will vote no. We're, we're not going to impeach him. Okay, But there is a glimmer of hope. It's not a bright glimmer. It's just there that a lot of these uh, liberal senators, knowing they have to go back and face their own constituents who are just fed up with the border situation, even the Democrat voters are fed up with this. Mm-hmm. That's true. They have to go back and they have to look at their voters and say, well, you know, this is why I voted not to impeach Mayorkas. It would be easier for them, not that they're going to do it, but it would be easier for them to throw Mayorkas under the bus and say, okay, see, we, we were taking action. We got rid of the bad guy. We're going to start over. Right. Um, also, something else came through breaking. Remember I said there could be some dark horses that are going to throw in as as alternatives to Newsom? Right. Uh, they just came out with a list of, of uh, there are four of them, but the one that really stuck out was uh, Whitman, the governor. Yeah, in Minnesota. Trying, yeah, trying to run another woman for president. That ain't going to work. She's, she's, no, 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 but folks, this stuff is, is so hard to keep 
up with because things are changing by the minute. No, I know, but you know, it's a good thing. Uh, we're both insomniacs and we've got yes. this covered almost 24 seven. So yeah, we do. That's a sad thing. <laughs> we, we both need a, a hobby, you know, I know, I know. And, and some yeah. sleep. Well, folks. Oh, definitely some sleep. <laughs> you know, we're going to, we're going to pull the plug on the show here just a few minutes early and, but we, we once again, we urge you to go to rspradio1.com, where we have the links. There's a link to it on Diane's uh, blog and a link to it on my blog. Choose whichever one you want. Uh, to this article, Drones, Retaliation, and a Globalist King. We need yes. to get that article out there. The more people that know the truth and understand the truth, the more eyes we can open and the more we can make people think about what's really going on in that Middle East region, the better off we're all going to be. And you know why that's important? Because if you remember, when I was reading through, I said along the lines, don't let the media fool you. Because if you keep being fooled, folks, we're never going to get out of this tunnel that we seem to be in. There's not going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Can't have stabilization in that region until the truth is known. Right. It's just That's really the only that way simple. anything could be settled there is with truth. All right, Diane, let's wrap this one up. Okay. With that, nighty night, folks, and see you on Friday. Have a great rest of the week. We'll catch up with you Friday evening. Bye-bye. 